Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Charles Goyette. He is the author of a new book called The Last Gold Rush Ever, Seven Reasons for the Runaway Gold Market and How You Can Profit from It. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Charles. Jordan, it's great to speak with you. Just give us a little bit of your background leading into writing this book. Well, I've uh, uh, never been satisfied in one place for uh, a very long time, but uh, uh, I have written a number of books, ghostwritten a number of books. I have a long career, however, as uh, doing what you're doing as a uh, broadcaster and spent many, many years uh, in radio and television and uh, um, doing talk shows uh, in Phoenix. I did a national daily radio commentary on 125 stations twice a day with Ron Paul called Ron Paul's America. So uh, I come from a a background of uh, broadcasting, but I have uh, plenty of wayward years in my youth spent in the investment business. Very good. And what was the need for this book particularly? There's a lot of books out about gold. What makes it particularly timely right now? Yes, I'm so glad you asked that. There are a lot of books about gold. There is something different, though, about uh, this gold bull market. And the world has experienced a a number of what I call secular gold bull markets. And they're characterized by one thing. And, of course, it's no mystery to anybody that uh, issues like uh, national debt and um, money printing or fiat money or excessive uh, money creation should be the factors that drive gold bull markets. And this has been the case here in the United States. It was the case of the gold market that topped out in 2011. It was the case with the uh, gold bull market that topped out in 1980. These are driven by debt, by overspending, by uh, a highly high liquidity creation by the central bank. But this one, Jordan, is different than all the others. And whenever, whenever uh, uh, battle-scarred veterans like myself and yourself, I'm sure, hear somebody say something about a market, well, this time it's different. We often roll our eyes thinking, yeah, right, uh, it's, it's not really different. They're always the same. But there yeah. is something different about this one, and, and that is, uh, um, well, let me describe it this way. When an arson investigator goes to the scene of the crime, and begins to investigate, he looks at the natural fuel for the fire. He looks at the, for example, the house that burned down. He looks at the the uh, particle board or the wood framing or the other elements that provide fuel for it. But then he looks around for the accelerants, the things that drove the fire, that drove the arson. And so in this case, like all secular bull markets, we have we have the fundamentals of massive monetary creation. We have the uh, fundamental of uh, a debt crisis of of almost unforeseeable proportions uh, headed our way. But there are a number of other accelerants that we talk about in the book, The Last Gold Rush Ever, that will drive this one to, well, David Stockman says in his foreword, drive this bonfire of calamities to, uh, to heights that people that don't read the book probably wouldn't be able to foresee. So the traditional view would be that gold is this barbaric relic, what people mm-hmm. talk about. Um, we've had these massive deficits, and yet inflation has been going down. The mm-hmm. Fed wants inflation to be as much as 2% or a little bit higher, but they have not been able to achieve it. And the same in other places. Japan's had a deflationary trend for many, many years. The pandemic is considered a very deflationary event. It's causing a lot less economic activity. Um, so... Okay, we're printing a lot of money, but no, there's never going to be any inflation again. Uh, where, why are the traditional view wrong? 
Right. Well, the traditional view is actually even older than that. The traditional view is not that uh, that uh, increasing prices or rising prices or rising consumer prices are inflation, but it is the expansion of money and credit itself that are inflation. That is the old definition of inflation, uh, inflating the supply of currency, the supply of uh, of credit. The actual actual uh, results of that can show up in different places at different times, and it depends on you know the prosperity of the people, the demographics. Uh, you may have an era of uh, massive inflation, which people buy a lot of real estate because you have boomers uh, reaching you know midlife or whatever it may be. But there are always different factors, and nobody could really foretell in advance whether uh, the massive credit creation will necessarily create a boom in real estate, a boom in stocks. Or, or something else. But the fundamentals in the background that we pay attention to are the increase of uh, money and credit themselves. Well, it, it starts to get um, kind of involved from this point forward. You start talking about where does that, where does all that money go? And it is true that, you know, after the 2008 uh, crisis, the Fed created a massive amount of money, Fed assets, which is a description of things that the Fed bought with money that it didn't have in the morning. So it goes out and buys, you know, uh, treasury bonds or it buys uh, mortgage securities or something. It buys them with that, with the money that it just created. Well, this the, if you look at Fed assets, they jumped, as you know, from under a trillion dollars before the mortgage meltdown. It suddenly jumped up to uh, close to $4 trillion. And most of that money just set kind of idly it didn't enter the consumer economy and didn't drive consumer prices wild and I, as i've always said you know you can the fed can print a ton of money and wrap it in shrink wrap and leave it in the basement of the mariner echoes building and nothing will happen there but when much the money, velocity the word people use is velocity right money right. Not moving right yeah well when it starts to enter the consumer economy then you've got something uh, a little bit different going on so all of this, I suppose, is, is complicated for the layman. Professionals certainly understand it, that uh, the Fed, in its desperation during COVID, did something completely unprecedented back in the spring. They have uh, they, they f- suddenly eliminated an entire class of bank reserves that are held with the Fed, and it's called required reserves. Yeah. And the Federal Reserve was always required to keep, uh, in fact, the, the very the very creation of the Federal Reserve was based on, they, they wanted a central bank, but they didn't want to call it a bank because the populist Americans didn't want a national bank. And they wanted to call it federal because they wanted to invoke the might and power of the great United States. But they called it reserve to describe its function. And its function was to hold in reserves uh, a certain amount of money against bank runs or bank panics. And so if a bank run started in a little region like where I am in Arizona or New Mexico or something, there would be a massive pool of uh, revenue or of uh, resources that could meet the demands of that run and cut it to the quick, end it, yep. cut it. Uh, cut. This is the bank as last, uh, uh, lender right. of last resort, basically. L- lender of last resort. Right. So that was the rationale for the creation of uh, the Federal Reserve, and it was very effectively sold to the American people with a massive PR campaign, and so we had the Federal Reserve. Suddenly, silently, back in the spring under the COVID address, the Federal Reserve suddenly eliminated entirely the rationale upon which it was created, the the uh, uh, mandated reserve requirements, and now banks have no longer any 
reserve requirement and, with and the they Fed. did it in order to get more money circulating in the account Abs- which was absolutely absolutely right. and it and actually it it reveals that we've moved into you know we've moved into the age of what i guess uh i don't know uh, ocasio cortez or uh uh, a couple of other politicians would call modern monetary theory. Yes. When when they've decided what is the need for reserves to to uh, cut a uh, bank crisis or a bank run to the quick, what is the need to make the banks keep reserves with the Fed when if there is a crisis, we can just print the money. Which we've been doing. We have a crisis and we've been printing. Right. The balance sheet's gone from $4 trillion or so to $8 trillion or so, I guess. And people yeah, think- seven, over seven. You're right. Yeah. And... Yeah. So what's wrong with that? I mean, p- people are saying they're not doing enough, and on the, that's on the monetary side. Yes, there's on the more coming. Side, the fiscal side, we had the CARES Act, was roughly $3 trillion, and people saying that wasn't close enough. Now we need at least another $3 trillion, if not $10 trillion. Uh-huh. So, so what's wrong with all this money? We need it. We need it. We need it. Yes. Well, of course, good, wealth is, uh, is, the, is a function of production. So if the amount of wealth in the country remains the same basically overnight, what's the difference in the amount of wealth in America between, you know, Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning, same number of teachers in classrooms, same number of cars on auto lots, same number of houses being built. The wealth doesn't create, doesn't increase notably overnight suddenly. But if suddenly the purchasing media available to bid on that wealth, as in an auction, suddenly doubles, if everybody in America woke up in the morning and found twice as much money in their bank accounts, in their wallets, in their kids' piggy banks, and so on, they might think themselves for a moment twice as wealthy. But the real production of goods and services hasn't doubled in this example. The consequence of that is that prices rise because the purchasing media has increased without a subsequent or uh, a, a prices uh, have corollary. Not I mean, in many cases, there are right. prices, price of commodities and oil right. has fallen sharply. Prices of electronics have fallen. I mean, all many things have fallen. Many, so many things not, have fallen. Maybe it's not working these days, what you're talking about. <laughs> well, it's uh, even, even in the days of uh, Milton Friedman, Nobody ever thought that uh, they printed money in the morning and it showed up in the afternoon in uh, the price level. Even even uh, Dr. Friedman said, you know, there's usually a lag, sometimes a year, year and a half from the creation of new, of yeah. new money. I mean, we've been so, printing money for quite a while, actually. But it's as sad as I described it on uh, in, in the basement of the Mariner, Mariner Eccles building wrapped up in shrink wrap. It didn't enter the consumer economy because it funded a new category of reserves, it funded required reserves, and excess reserves of the banks, which hadn't existed before that crisis. So trillions of dollars went into that category. Yeah. And now... It didn't all, circulate, you're saying. That's why we it, didn't get inflation. That's right. It has it's not entered not- the consumer economy with new loans, new lending, and so on. Yeah. So uh, so you're saying that it's kind of the, the accelerant is coming, but the... The uh, the fuel is ready to go, is what you're saying. All the fuel is ready to go, and you could see it in uh, um, in things like well, you could see it actually in uh, probably most especially in uh, the ending of the American global military empire of America's uh, diplomatic hegemony around the world. I'm uh, surprised because I'm old enough to remember when secretaries of state ran around the world and asked countries to uh, follow the U.S. lead or to do the U.S. will on foreign policy initiatives all over the world. And uh, we are encountering something that is 
in many ways strange to the United States as Pompeo runs around the world asking for cooperation or uh, uh, um, followers in, uh, in initiatives uh, in Europe, for example, he's meeting people that are digging in their heels. This is the winding down of America's uh, America's global hegemony, and um, this so this is is like a currency war or like a war on cash, like the new popularity of socialism in the United States. All of these are accelerants in uh, the the dry tender of uh, a debt and money creation that has already taken place. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Charles Goyette. He's an expert on monetary policy and gold. His new book is called The Last Gold Rush Ever, Seven Reasons for the Grunaway Gold Market and How You Can Profit from It. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about this more after the break. We'll be back after this. Wish you were in on some of the early performing IPOs of 2019 and 2020. With our crowd, accredited investors have access to invest directly, easily, and most importantly, early. Our crowd investors have benefited from our crowd companies going IPO, like Beyond Meat, or being bought by companies like Intel, Microsoft, uh, Nike, and Oracle. Our crowd's investment professionals leverage their extensive network to review some of the most promising private companies and startups in the world. Their in-depth due diligence includes meeting with management teams and generally comprehensive vetting of their deals once they decide to take part of their own portfolio into that direction. Our, since our, once our crowd has selected a deal, they offer accredited investors the opportunity to invest alongside them with the same terms. If you're an accredited investor, you can join our crowd for free at OURCROW.com answers and review the current deals. No payment is involved until you decide to participate in a deal. As you review deals, you have access to our crowd's investor relations team, who you can talk to directly on the phone about your personal investment goals. The investment professionals at our crowd have already reviewed thousands of companies, invested hundreds of millions of dollars, closed investments in over 200 companies, and chosen dozens of companies that have made exits. <clears throat> Accredited investors can participate in a single company deal for as little as $10,000 or one of our crowd's funds for as little as $50,000. Today you can join our crowd's investment in Rewire. Rewire's digital banking services are specifically tailored for international workers to both send money home to their country of origin and bank in their country of residence. Rewire reports rapid year-over-year -year and month-over-month growth in the trillion-dollar global financial services market for international and migrant workers. You can get an early on Rewire and other unique opportunities at the rcrowd.com slash answers website. If you're interested in investing, you need to join rcrowd. The rcrowd account is free, so just go to ourcrow.com slash answers. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. 
No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Charles Goyette. He's an author, uh, and his latest book is called The Last Gold Rush Ever, Seven Reasons for the Runaway Gold Market and How You Can Profit from It. You can find out more about him and his website at charlesgoyette.com. Welcome back to the show, Charles. Thank you, Jordan. What else can people find at charlesgoyette.com? Well, I uh, actually, I left it inactive for many years. I took a hiatus and thought I would uh, uh, just uh, enjoy some uh, peace with my bride for a few years and then jump back into the fray here. So I just fired it back up. You can only find things on there about, about either me or about this book. But uh, um, number of interviews, there's a, uh, uh, a video on there I just posted the other day called uh, – um, uh, well, there's a couple of videos I posted on there, so, uh, but that they're all supplemental to our conversation today, which is the primary thing. All right, so let's go through them. You talk about seven reasons for the runaway gold market and how you can profit from it. What is the first reason why you think gold is going to do well? Well, the first one that I like to talk about is uh, the one that suggests that we are no longer captains of our own own fate, and it has to do with the changing of the new world order. Um, we are in many ways susceptible to changes that are made by people beyond our shores. And it has to do, of course, with the fact that the dollar is the reserve currency of the world. So other central banks of the world, as they once held gold and issued their currency against their holding of gold, for example, they hold the U.S. dollar. And the dollar is the reserve currency of the world is used, for example, if OPEC sells oil to somebody, it's priced in terms of dollars. So it facilitates business all over the world. The dollar's share that uh, has been dominant since the end of World War II, the dollar's share of the uh, world's currency reserves is falling actually fairly precipitously. It's down to about 61%. Now, it's down 5% in the last five years. And it, it, it has been accelerating. And so, what is taking its place? It's yes. not its actual reserve currency, but 
Are people trading in euros or gold or Bitcoin? What are they trading in? Well, they're experimenting, I suppose, with a lot of those things. Um, there is there is some bilateral uh, agreements, for example, between uh, China and Russia to trade in one another's currencies and exchange them at a settlement desk at the end of the day. But what is most interesting from our perspective on the monetary front is uh, China's official gold reserves that have exploded. And you know, just and and its holding the holdings of U.S. dollars are collapsing. We had just a few years ago, China was the number one creditor, foreign creditor of the United States, yes. and it held about 1.3 trillion dollars of U.S. Uh, Treasury assets. Now it's down. 25 or 30 percent in the last few years so it's down somewhere around uh, probably today just under a trillion dollars that's a pretty quick uh, sell-off and they've used that money to buy gold they've used that money to buy gold um, china's official gold reserves uh, have just exploded they had uh, about 395 metric tons in 2000 Last they reported, they were up to close to 2,000 metric tons. Yeah. And this and is the to same back thing, their currency? What are, what are the reason they're doing that? To make well, their currency stronger? They're de-dollarizing. Mm-hmm. They, they don't, they don't want to be susceptible to, uh, to changes. They, you know, the central bankers of the world, I read, an, I read an interview with one of the leading Chinese central bankers a couple of years ago, and it sounded very much like reading, uh, you know, an in-depth intellectual uh, discussion with a, a, a current senior member of the Fed staff. You know, the same, the same principles, the same beliefs about monetary policy, the same practices, and so on. So these people, look, look, the... The governments of the world don't really mind more or less defrauding their own people by the issuance of their own uh, their own unbacked um, fiat money. They, they doesn't doesn't bother them to do, but they don't want to be victimized by ours. Yeah, and so it's not just me and people that uh, you know that watch uh, watch gold prices and watch money supply and Fed assets and so on that see these things. The, the central bankers around the rest of the world are very, very well aware that the United States has uh, created trillions of dollars out of thin air, and they are very aware that there are consequences to these kinds of actions. So there are there are political reasons that you might suspect that China is doing this, but there are economic ones as well. And it's hard to believe, but it wasn't so long ago that Russia was a meaningful creditor of the United States. I mean, they were probably close to, off the top of my head, $200 billion, maybe yep. maybe $190 billion, somewhere in that ballpark, as I recall. But they have completely de-dollarized. They're now down, if you look at the Treasury reports on, on foreign holders of U.S. debt, they're down in the asterisks, down with countries like uh, Iraq and Vietnam, yep. when they were a leading holder. So... And in the meantime, what are they doing with their reserves? They're moving head, head first. They're moving like crazy. They're beating their feet into gold. So during the same time period that I described China to you, um, Russia has gone from about 343 metric tons of gold to, to uh, about 22,300 tons over the same period. This, is, this foreshadows a coming stampede so that we call the, that the, the U.S. dollar will no longer be the reserve currency, and what would replace it? It's going to be a problem. It's, are you it, expecting to go back to a gold standard? Is that what you would recommend? 
Well, I would recommend that people personally go to a gold standard because uh, it can't be manipulated to the uh, um, to the advantage of the issuing authority and the dis- disadvantage of the of the dollar holder. Anytime um, money is issued by a central banker, um, it is it is uh, an act that, in one way or another, either presently or in the coming uh, in the coming days, devalues the currency that people currently hold. I mean, it cannot be otherwise. They can't issue more purchasing media to compete for the goods and services that are available without it uh, um, devaluing that purchasing media in one way or another. In in any number of different places, whether it be the stock market or the housing market or the consumer market at the grocery store, it just it can't be. They cannot increase the money supply and let it circulate without some consequence in terms of uh, in terms of prices. This so, is happening around the world. I mean, we are printing a lot of money for sure, but so is Europe, so is China, so is everybody. India, so is Japan. Everybody's printing money, so we're kind of doing a mass devaluation of currencies all around the world. Yes, it's a massive devaluation of currencies. Thank you for putting it so well, because uh, as the currencies are devalued around the world, what is left is a monetary asset. Good point. Uh, well, good luck. I mean, I I think it's wonderful that people are experimenting with Bitcoin and stuff. And I, I like to see, you know, the, the great economist Hayek once said, you know, let a thousand flowers bloom. Let everybody, you know, experiment with the monetary systems that they like and prove them to themselves. So, Because Bitcoin you know, has gone up a lot. It's like 16,000. Yeah, I mean, good. It's Bitcoin, great. some people say, is the new gold to some extent. It's good. I think it's great that people are experimenting with their money with it. I think it's wonderful. But but the the experiment doesn't need to be conducted with gold. So for those that are willing to experiment with gold, uh, with Bitcoin and so on, I think it's uh, it's a remarkably interesting thing. It's so interesting that, of course, you know, the Fed has uh, uh, their own digital wallet, yes. uh, blockchain um, program uh, in development. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, th- I think... I think Could it's Bitcoin really good. Could Bitcoin be the new world reserve currency? I seriously doubt it. And I'll, I'll tell you, my thought about that is simply this, that uh, when the people find out how bad the devaluation of the currency will be, having been victimized by it, look, you've got good, credible people like the former head of, uh, the f- former chief economist at Morgan Stanley says, you know, the he's running around on the financial shows with his hair on fire, basically saying, look, the dollar is 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 on the verge of losing 35% of its purchasing power in 2021. Not in some far-off buy-and-buy in the sky day, but next year. Who so, is this you're referring to? Um, Byron Wien? Is that who you mean? No, no, no. It's... Uh, I'll give you the name before the show. I'll look it up and uh, look look it up in our next break. I have, but the point is that everybody's devaluing, and you're saying that makes hard assets worth more like gold, like Bitcoin, I would consider a hard asset in a certain way, and real estate, nothing. Is, is that what happens is when you devalue currencies, hard assets appreciate? Hard assets appreciate. And uh, you, may, you may say that hard assets stay the same while the currency is devalued. But the, uh, the relative ratio between the two uh, changes dramatically to the advantage of uh, gold and gold, gold owners. Look, gold is the only monetary asset in the world that is not somebody else's liability. Yeah. That means it doesn't it doesn't matter who issued it. It it doesn't matter whose picture is on the coin, what the denomination says, it doesn't matter what country it's from. If uh, you own actual gold, physical gold, it doesn't matter um it doesn't matter whether it's been inventoried, 
whether it's been it's been um, pledged or hypothecated or rehypothecated to somebody. It doesn't matter um, what they may have done to the title if you own it yourself. But all other forms of um, monetary wealth, all other forms of uh, of money are in one way or another somebody else's liability. And that's normally fine in good times when everybody is more or less reliable, when institutions are reliable, when their representations are true, and when things are going along fine. But in a, in a time of crisis, when uh, the monetary authorities and the government authorities are taking extraordinary measures and uh, sailing off into uncharted waters that are very dangerous indeed, uh, it's a wonderful time to... Uh, to eliminate unnecessary risk like uh, um, counterparty liabilities and so on. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Charles Goyette. He's the author of a new book called The Last Gold Rush Ever, Seven Reasons for the Runaway Gold Market and How You Can Profit From It. You can find out more at his website, charlesgoyette.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour, Charles Goyette, is the author of a new book called The Last Gold Rush Ever, Seven Reasons for the Runaway Gold Market and How You Can Profit From It. His website charlesgoyette.com. Welcome back to the show, Charles. Thank you, Jordan. We've made the case for gold, basically, which is all these currencies are printing lots of um, money and it's devaluing. So let's go into some of the specifics of buying gold itself and the pros and cons and the best ways to do it. So let's start with physical gold, coins and bars. Uh, do you recommend American Eagles or how do, how do you find a good gold dealer? Uh, should you hold on to your gold yourself or put it in 
uh, storage. What, what, give us some tips on the best way to buy physical gold. Sure. The best way to buy is it depends on the size of your portfolio and uh, your needs and how much money you're putting away. But this is a this is a book for a crisis. This is not a book for you know ordinary good times in America. This is a book about a crisis. And so there are um, useful opportunities to invest in uh, ETFs. There are useful opportunities to uh, get some leverage with uh, good gold shares and so on. But this is a book for a crisis. And as we say, it's not a book that's just about, you know, the Fed is printing a lot of money and the, uh, the uh, folks on, on Capitol Hill are running up debt that they can never reasonably repay. This is a book about a, a crisis when a whole lot of things converge in a sort of an economic malevolent convergence. So this book is about investing and owning gold for the reasons that we actually discussed in the last segment, that it is nobody's liability. It's fine to take an IOU from people you trust and to uh, invest money for uh, institutions that you think are sound and so on. But you know, as Warren Buffett says, you don't find out who's swimming naked until the tide goes out. Yeah. So So, this is, let's take, let's take your scenario here that rapid devaluation of the dollar and so on. And you've got your store of gold, you've got coins and you're, safe at home, and, and the world is falling apart, what are you going to do? Are you going to go to uh, your 7-Eleven and shave a little bit of gold off? I mean, how's it going to help you in the middle of this crisis? Yeah, it can't be foreseen. It, it can't be foreseen, but um, the realities of these things are trans are transmitted through the free market to people all over the world, and all of a sudden, um, um, market opportunities Look, you can go, you could, there are places you can go now. Well, I'll give you a better example. It's more familiar to people. I was in, uh, on vacation recently in a foreign country. I saw a book in a bookstore, an English book in a bookstore by an American author, but from an American publisher, I picked the book up. I went to the cashier in a foreign country. I gave them my American credit card. They instantly did the calculation you know, exchange, changed the price of the book to what it was in that foreign currency. They rang it up at that price and they charged my credit card having done the exchange and they charged my credit card in dollars that commensurate amount. And it was, it, it's child's play in the modern era. Well, this sort of stuff is going on all around us. Now there are people that are, um, creating, creating accounts for the kind of uh, transactions that you talk about, to, uh, in which, you go to the grocery store and you buy a fine bottle of wine and and, and uh, food for dinner and you give them your your card and a and a, a couple of uh, a couple of grams are deducted from it. So uh, all, all of this is so easy in this uh, day and age. Could be made electronic. Then you're saying, you're, right? Yes. Yes. Oh. So that's yeah. physical gold. So as far as coins, uh, you you do just uh, bullion coins or numismatic. Yeah. Uh, what how do you find a good dealer to to buy coins from that's reliable? Okay. So the first thing you need to know is is that uh, um, for a crisis, if you are a collector, if you are a historian, if you are interested in old antique art and so on, and you want to buy coins because you want to take them out and gaze at them at night and sit at your desk and admire them and so on, then you might want to talk about uh, collector coins. If you are not a hobbyist, however then you want to buy bullion coins. In other words, you want to get the most gold for your money. You don't want to buy a coin that costs two or three times the price of gold itself because you want to take it out and admire it if you're buying it for the kind of, uh, uh, for the last gold rush ever. So we recommend bullion coins. 
The most widely traded one now, the most popular for Americans and indeed around the world is the American Gold Eagle. It's a one ounce gold coin. There are many others. There's the Royal Canadian Mints Maple Leaf, the uh, South African Kruger and that at one time was the number one gold bullion coin of the fact, the only real gold bullion coin of uh, the modern era. Uh, so that's the sort of thing we recommend. There are um, there are uh, a lot of people buying substantial amounts of money. Many of them find it uh, convenient to buy it in kilo bars. Yeah. Um, so yeah. there, are, there are a number there been of... been a shortage that the mint has not had enough gold to make enough gold eagles for the amount of demand. Is that true? Yeah, we've had a couple of problems in both silver and in gold this year. And many of the dealers around the country um, got stuck, found themselves in situations where they were taking orders from people and unable to deliver. And they were promising. I This actually starts to skirt, you would probably know better than I, but this in some sense starts to skirt the security laws because they're taking money and they're not delivering the goods. Well, they're not securities dealers typically. Bullion dealers are not typically securities dealers. And they're not selling securities that are registered and so on. So, yes, yes a lot. So- a lot of companies uh, experienced an inability to uh, to deliver because of the demand and because of COVID shuts down, shut, shutdowns of transportation and so on. Do you think will continue? There'll be more demand and less ability to, to deliver yes. uh, American Eagles? Yeah, I don't know specifically about the uh, about American Eagles. They may be able to keep up with the uh, the demand, but we have seen in our lifetime people standing in line around the corner to buy gold. We saw it during the end of the Carter years. We saw actually this earlier this year in Germany for different reasons, people were standing in line outside uh, bullion dealers, gold dealers to buy gold. And so this kind of thing can happen in a really in a heartbeat. What, what um, happens in an extreme case like a Zimbabwe or a Venezuela where the currency literally becomes worthless? How does that affect people wanting to own gold? Yeah, it's. Good to be prepared for that before it happens, because once it happens, who will take your worthless currency in exchange? Uh, you know, there's there's an old joke like uh, uh, how many uh, how many uh, Venezuelan uh, dollars does it take to buy an ounce of gold? The answer is, who cares? Yeah, really. because nobody wants to sell you one, knowing full well that uh, you know overnight the central bank of Venezuela will double the money supply and the currency will continue to depreciate at hyperinflationary rates. So the answer is, who cares? Nobody's nobody's gonna nobody is gonna give you, you know, nobody wants to sell their perfectly good and appreciating gold for Zimbabwe dollars, for example. Yeah. So that's, that's what happens when you're in a crisis. The next one would be exchange traded funds like a GLD, mm-hmm. uh, which owns physical gold, or an SLV for physical silver. Uh, so what would be uh, the advantage of doing that over uh, physical gold? Yeah, in, in the event of a crisis, there is no advantage. I know that sounds rather rude, but, but there is no advantage to an ETF or any other form because all of those forms are somebody else's liability. They are the liability of the issuer. You are dependent on... Uh, you know, you are dependent on uh, inventories and uh, uh, um, and uh, uh, representations by other people. So, in the event of a crisis, that's probably not the best place to be. In the event of a run on the bank, it's not good to have money in the bank. Uh, if the currency were to hold up in the event of a run of, on the bank, it's good to have a lot of currency, but it's not so good to have it in a bank where you have to wait in line or where they can't deliver. 
So we are talking about a different breed of animal. We're not talking about when things are normal. There is one. There have been wonderful and pro- probably will be wonderful opportunities for short-term uh, profits to be made in ETFs and certainly in uh, in gold shares. But all of the attendant, we're trying to warn against the attendant dangers of an era of crisis. Yeah. And the attendant dangers of an era of crisis are uh, misrepresentations, fraud, uh, governments, you know, a gold mine may be perfectly productive until the government nationalizes it. And that's the sort of thing that happens first in a crisis. So there are all of these other attendant uh, attended events that develop in, our, in an environment of crisis as we discuss in the book. And it is for that reason that we start on at ground zero with precious metals, physical gold and silver as monetary assets to protect you against uh, the tide going out. So how about the third technique would be uh, gold mining shares of gold mining companies, both the majors, and you can do that through an ETF like a GDX or the more speculative junior mining companies like a GDXJ. Uh, what are the, and again, I know you're getting ready for the crisis, but meanwhile, if before the crisis hits, what are the advantages of doing gold mining shares versus physical gold? Well, they're very, the advantages are very good in a rising market, and they're not very good in a calamitous market. And so it is, again, for the same reasons. Um, we, are try, we are trying to suggest that people need to think differently. They need to think about insulating themselves from counterparty risk. And so it, there's there's counterparty risk when you get to uh, uh, gold mining shares, you're saying? Yes. There's there's not only uh, the risk of the uh, uh, performance of the company, there are environmental risks, there are natural disaster risks, there are risks of, uh, you know, pandemics in which the workforce uh, can't work and production collapses. There are all of those risks, but there are even more and more ubiquitously occurring throughout history, and that is the governmental risks of things like nationalization. And it happens very, very fast in a crisis overnight. Um, assets so sh- are, shareholders uh, would be wiped out if things are not. They're, they're wiped out. It's great to be a shareholder. And usually they promise that uh, by and by, before you die, that your shares will be made whole. That very seldom holds true. It's very seldom true. Oh, very good. Okay. Well, you're painting quite an interesting picture that the physical gold is, is the best way to protect yourself. We're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Charles Goyette, the author of the latest book called The Last Gold Rush Ever, Seven Reasons for the Runaway Gold Market and How You Can Profit From It. You can find out more at his website, charlesgoyette.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. 
own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Charles Goyette, the author of the book, The Last Gold Rush Ever, Seven Reasons for the Runaway Gold Market and How You Can Profit From It. You can find out more at his website, which is Charles Goyette. Dot com. Welcome back to the show, Charles. Thank you, Jordan. It's great being on your program. You talk in the book about ways uh, that uh, kind of the war on cash in, in various ways, and specifically mm-hmm. uh, the Cyprus bail-in and uh, the in- Indian market. Just tell us what happens when central governments don't like what's happening and they kind of seize assets, basically. Yeah, they basically they seize assets. Please read the book about the the uh, the Cyprus bail-in. You know, deposits of a certain amount of money in Cyprus banks were literally raided overnight, became bank equity instead of the uh, the private wealth of the people depositing the money. So, look, this sort of stuff is on the drawing boards all of the time. This is uh, what the war on cash is really all about, and the war on cash is advancing by leaps and bounds. Um, the the point behind it really is to institutionalize all monetary transactions, to bring everybody in under the roof of either member banks or, well, the Fed's floating an idea. It's on their drawing boards now of everybody in America having an account with the Federal Reserve itself. But the idea is to institutionalize all the money, eliminate cash so that every transaction is uh, suddenly uh suddenly done on the basis of uh, the Fed's institutionalized money. And policy changes can be transmitted instantly. Tax rate changes can be, there's no question about compliance. Negative interest rate regime, how do you enforce a negative interest rate regime on somebody smart like Jordan Goodman when the bank says, Jordan, give me $10,000 this year, then you come back next November and we'll give you $9,500. Jordan's going to roll his eyes and say, sayonara. How do you... How do you impose a negative interest rate regime on people short of having uh, nationalized all the monetary functions in a uh, in an institution? So there is a huge movement afoot, and it's been bothersome for, for years recently. This uh, going, There's a huge amount, trillions of dollars in negative interest rate, bank accounts and bonds yep. and so on. What is that telling you that there's this huge amount of negative interest rate money out there? It tells me that people are speculating on uh, lower interest rates ahead. Even it, tell, it tells me they're buying. Negative, you mean? Yeah, they're buying financial interest rates as a speculation that the Fed will continue to drive rates even uh, even lower and perhaps into negative territory, and they will have capital gains on those securities. Uh, but it's a it's a very dangerous it's a very dangerous game. It's something that's unprecedented really in human history, and. You have to ask yourself just to step back or, or, or to get on an airplane and try to take a 35,000-foot view of this. How do you have the biggest debtor in history and the lowest interest rates in history? How do these things mix? How do well, these things to work that way? We were supposed to have soaring interest rates and inflation by now with these deficits. Right. You cannot be the biggest happen. debtor in the world 
forever and have the lowest lowest interest rates. It's simply, and a, a dollar today is uh, is all has always been worth more than a dollar in ten years, which is why po- interest rates are positive. Yeah. So all of these things are are symptoms of disorganization of the monetary system as it exists today, beginning to wobble. And uh, the 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 answers to it are inconveniences to the American people. They are India's currency call in. Oh, and they're always posed as you know in India the currency call in was supposedly you know to uh, get rid of the criminals that were using cash and all that money that they wouldn't turn in would be because they were criminals and they know we would bust them when they turned it in. But basically, all of the Indian currency was turned in. But it was a massive inconvenience uh, for the people. It didn't ferret out any crime, yeah. but uh, it it shut down markets. It shut down you know people in rural areas that don't have um, you know don't have the internet and so on. They can't be forced into uh, banks the way that people can in the United States and institutionalized. It was a calamity for the uh, for the people. So these are all elements, though, of the war on cash. Can, Kenneth Rogoff wrote uh, a book last year or the year before called The Curse of Cash, and his suggestion was that the authorities make cash as bulky and inconvenient and uh, undesirable to use as possible to uh, control the people's monetary behavior. And you have to ask yourself, wait a minute, is the government here to serve us for our convenience, for our needs, for our preferences, or are we like cattle to be driven by? So they're supposed to go to great extremes to make the cash, for example, or the coinage bulky and uh, um, um, and uh, re- resent the coinage and stuff, so they can hurt us into uh, financial institutions. I'm I wonder what the purpose of the state is. I thought it was to serve the people. Yeah. So let's talk about the two scenarios here, and people who are prepared based on having read your book, and people who are not prepared. So let's talk about people who are not prepared. They think everything's fine. The Fed's going to keep printing money. We're going to go into more and more uh, debt. Uh, Inflation's going to stay low. The stock market's going to keep soaring. Mm -hmm. It's all good, so I have nothing to worry about. What's going to happen to those people? They're going to find themselves decapitalized. The value of their capital, uh, the cash insurance value of their uh, insurance policies, the value of their capital uh, will be devalued substantially. Their living standard will uh, be reduced. In fact, just just the abandonment of the dollar as the reserve standard of the world will affect uh, their living standard. But, uh, the you know, a 35% drop in the purchasing power of the dollar will sharply reduce their living standard. So they will find themselves poorer under any circumstance. Meaning inflation will come back. The value of their dollar is down. The so value the of the dollar. The of existing dollars will go down because the prices will go up. Yeah, and debt will become more difficult to service. Um, so people that are on the edge with mortgages already, you know, will find themselves, well, as in any slowdown, will find themselves, you know, having a difficulty meeting uh, meeting their mortgages. So but we have seen this. Closures and, and defaults of various types. Yeah. But so we've seen this thing all over. implosion. Is that what you're talking about? Sure. And we've seen it around the world. You know, in, uh, in the great inflation in Germany of the 1920s, you know, people came in from England or America with cash that was still redeemable in gold, with good cash that everybody wanted, and they were able to strip the economy of everything they wanted because they had they had the cash, the currency uh, that was Where, worthwhile. The Weimar Republic was money was worthless. You, you it was absolutely yeah, it was absolutely worthless. So, and the monetary authorities, there's 
there's a, there's the equivalent of that today, Charles. I mean, if if the you know because there's no currency today that's convertible to gold. That's right. right. And that is correct. This is the this is probably a first in history, by my recollection. There's never been a time that I know of that there wasn't some sort of at least a statute. You know, the Swiss franc or the Lebanese pound, uh, long had statutory backing of gold, even if it wasn't instantly uh, convertible at a fixed and guaranteed rate. But there is no tie of any major currency or any currency of the world to gold today. And as a consequence, the price of gold has reached. New all-time highs this year, not just in the dollar, but in and not just in every major currency of the world, but in virtually every currency of the world, it has reached new all-time highs this year. Yeah. So what's going to happen to the people who take your advice and they've got a store of gold coins and bars uh, and all these things happen in the world? What kind of situation will they be in? Well, they'll be uh, liquid when nobody else is. They, have, they will have the world's premier form of uh, liquidity uh, in an environment in which people are screaming for liquidity, and uh, they will be in the catbird seat. They will have assets available to them at uh, prices that you would uh, not believe for people that uh, are desperate to keep food on the table or keep their mortgage paid. They will have uh, uh, the most, the world's most enduring form of money and most prized form of liquidity in their hands. And, you know, it, it, it's amazing. You know that there are a lot of those old, how many tape does it take to turn to change a light bulb? Like how many libertarians yeah. to turn a light bulb? But two, it takes two, one to turn it left and one to turn it right. Well, yeah. how many free marketeers does it take to change a light bulb or gold lovers does it take? And the answer is, is none. The market will do it itself. Yeah. And it's it's kind of a funny joke, but the point is that that uh, conditions instantly adapt to uh, the valuation of gold or silver for so use. How high? In we have about two minutes left. How high do you think gold will go in terms of the dollar? So I'm not in the business of really making those predictions because Jordan, I'm talking about uh, the question is how much of the dollar's um, remaining credibility will it retain? Actually. I think we will reach the point sooner rather than later at which, in which people will uh, assess their wealth by how many ounces of gold or how many ounces of silver that they have versus how many dollars it's worth. The conversion is relatively insignificant if the numbers become you know, astronomical. And that has been the case around the world. Nobody asked in Weimar Republic. Republic. Nobody asked... In, in nobody asks in uh, Venezuela or in Zimbabwe, you know, what's the, uh, you know, what is the, the dollar value of your gold? It's just not worth computing. It's, it's insignificant. This, this seems to me it should lead to a huge amount of social unrest when you have people's currency being taken away from them, in effect. Yeah, it, it certainly does. And uh, that is why you have a war on cash for periods of social unrest. That's why you have uh, currency wars for periods of social unrest. And in periods of social unrest throughout history, the fortunate were the fortunate who had tangible assets, liquid tangible assets uh, like gold or like silver. But yes, it's a, it's a very difficult social situation. Very. You have to end the show, unfortunately. You've got a good warning out to people. Uh, my guest this hour has been Charles Goyette. His book is called The Last Gold Rush Ever, Seven Reasons for the Runaway Gold Market and How You Can Profit From It. I think you'll learn a lot from this book. His website is charlesgoyette.com. 
thanks so much. I think you gave people a lot to think about, Charles. Well, Jordan, thanks. Thank you for having me on the show and, and uh, for having a good show as well. Thanks so much. Uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. 